Chloe Eckelum is a third-year dermatology resident here at the University of Utah. Before attending Utah, she studied at Morehouse School of Medicine and Emory in Atlanta, Georgia, which allowed her to see a need to help the underserved there. Chloe is proving that making career changes even partway through your residency is not only possible, but can be more fulfilling, too. Okay, Chloe, thanks so much for being here. I would love it if you just talk about what you're currently doing and just give okay. us the full intro here. Okay, okay. My name is Chloe Eckelum. I am a rising third-year dermatology resident, or PGY4, um, here at the University of Utah. I um, came from uh, California and so now have lived here for two years and I'm really honored to be asked to do this interview with All you. Right. Well, this is great. So the, the first thing I'd like to do is maybe just go back to your time as a, as a med student leading up to, um, you know, specializing and just kind of give me, give me that story. Sure. Yeah. So, um, that was a long four years. <laughs> um, so I went to medical school in Atlanta, Georgia at an institution called Morehouse School of Medicine. Uh, I had done my undergrad and my public health degree in Atlanta as well, but over at Emory. And I just like to point out the difference in the areas that those schools were and kind of the um, uh, reputation behind the schools. Emory is huge, had a huge endowment, private school. Um, and then Morehouse is a really small school with small endowments getting larger. Mm -hmm. Um, and across the pond in a, in a, um, very poor part of Atlanta. And so it's also an HBCU, which is a historically black college and university, and um, the juxtaposition of schools was important to me because it kind of set the tone for how I thought about my future career. And so going into Morehouse, I really um, felt it was important to be part of the primary care mission of Morehouse. Um, it is a primary care um, driven school. So they only have specialties in family medicine, OB, internal medicine, surgery that are considered core primary care specialties. There are no subspecialties. Um, and so I um, initially went there with the idea of embodying this public health medical field marriage. Um, so went through medical school. It was a fantastic experience. Had um, I was really lucky to have a lot, have a very large social connection there with many of my co-students. And um, there were definitely times where I doubted if I was really meant to be there. Uh, and those same friends would tell me, you know, just get through it. You can always use your MD for anything you need mm -hmm. in the future, but it's good to just finish and have it. And you've gone this far. Um, and so coming into third year, I was ready for that light bulb moment. And so I did all the rotations that were required and ended up, um, not having that moment and not really being obviously drawn to one thing over another, I could find positives and negatives and everything. 
and in the end of third year, I felt, you know, a little bit more pressure to um, narrow it down. Um, one of my favorite times in third year. Um, family medicine, that really drew me. And then I was also starting to get interested in the skin at that time. And I liked them just the same and came to fourth year and, and did actually have a pause again and asked my dean if I should take a year off um, to really be sure of what I was doing here. Uh, I asked her and she said no. And um, she said to just apply to family medicine because I, I should I probably do well in it and like it. And so I did. I, I you know, everything seems like that's what I should do. It was following the initial um, purpose that I had set out to accomplished going into medical school and um, I knew that that's what our country needed most right there's the biggest deficit in primary care physicians and I felt like um, I should I that was my responsibility to to in it to a degree to do that so I applied for family medicine only and my plan was sort of to do a dermatology, non-ACGME accredited fellowship within family medicine afterward, and and then just maybe focus on, or, you know, do more skin and do, you know, pseudodermatology in that way mm-hmm. and, and really get fulfillment from what I thought was interesting. And so um, it was exciting. And I was going into family medicine with that and thinking I would do this fellowship afterwards. So... Um, so I matched, I mm-hmm. matched into my top choice. I was, um, you know, I'm still competitive, so it felt nice to get that. And, uh, and it was at Ventura Medical Center, um, in Ventura County in, uh, California. And the added perk was that Ventura is known to be one of the most hardcore family medicine programs mm-hmm in the country because it is so inpatient focused. So I knew I would be at the the most stringent type of training I could get in family medicine to compare myself to my friends who were doing internal medicine or other in hospital residencies. And so I went to that program and my full expectation was to finish it and do family medicine as a career afterwards. Mm-hmm. When you look back on it, how do you feel about the timing of things. Yeah, I, I mean, on it, you know, I think I'm probably more on the naive side of medical students. I, uh, you know, half of us had no clue. We just went in hoping something would, would be our calling. And then half of us want to be a certain thing since we were three years old. And I was never that person. Mm-hmm. I would say that I, th- I think the biggest issue with the timing is that the level of exposure I needed and the true responsibility I needed to feel what a career was. Um, For me, I just had to personally experience it. So it took being in residency to understand what all I had signed up for. Um, And so it took me a little longer, I think, than some other people who are discontent in something to admit it to themselves. And in, and in residency, I realized that my patience for um, chronic illness is, is, isn't what I thought it was. I, I, was sup- I was distracted by that. 
And so I um, start kind of leaning into those feelings a little bit more. I um, really hadn't, uh, I know it's surprising, hadn't considered leaving because I feel one of my um, strongest principles as a person is to stick to what I said I was going to do. And I think that got me in this in the first place. You know, Mm -hmm. I said I'm going to do... I'm said I'm going to do prevention and public health. So I'm going to go into primary care and now I'm in it. And I said, I'm going to do this. So I'm going to finish. And so it really didn't dawn on me until one of my friends in the program just brought up the idea of her stopping and not finishing. So then I started thinking about it. Um, and sometimes I am a little spontaneous and just, I decided overnight that I, that that was the right thing to do because as soon as the thought was brought up, it really latched on and I felt like it was a real solution. Made a little appointment with my program director and he was extremely receptive and um, and shed light on this issue actually being a regular occurrence in this programs and I and he thought, you know, a handful of programs around the country that you you know, it's not surprising when one resident leaves, um, mm-hmm. you know, every couple years. They just uh, you know, figure it out. And, and then, um, he asked what I was going to do instead. I had thought about it that night, you know, um, I wanted to, I liked dermatology and I had also, um, enjoyed anesthesiology, uh, during medical school. So that was my kind of second backup. And I was planning on doing a little bit of, you know, shadowing while I was still at the hospital for half, half a year more. But, uh, yeah, he was, he was really great. Gave me a hug, um, said he was glad I had made the decision, gave me a little bit of time to make it official. Um, ultimately, what do you think helped you overcome these pressures and then kind of make your choice? Um, having the promise of being able to earn a decent, good income was pivotal. And then the second thing was, um, having other ideas and kind of being excited about the opportunities of reapplying myself and reinventing myself. And so the idea of going after something that I never allowed myself to dream of before was really exciting. And um, I was going to take that risk. And that felt really nice. And I think um, having that plan in addition to other backup plans and then having the the income and, and honestly the financial support from my from my parents who said I could you know live with them and right. um, and so I think basic needs like that being met um, huge to have those. So who or what helped you get to that point of saying I'm I'm gonna yeah yeah I'm gonna take this risk right my friend who I mentioned who was also quitting and mm. she. Uh, decided she was going to go into psychiatry, which was also something she had to retrospectively realize that she really um, was drawn to in medical school and and, and would do well in. Um, I had also just joined Instagram, but she also introduced me to Instagram. And on there, she had followed one of these dermatologists, dermatology residents at the time who was really big into posting stuff. And she, you know, her life looked glamorous and and uh, f- and fun. She was juggling being a mother and, and and doing fun things and showing um, 
you know, pictures of some of the cool diseases she saw in clinic. And um, I was also, you know, I also thought maybe that could be me. And right. I, you know, why not? And so um, it was just, I feel like once you let yourself start to imagine the possibilities, it's really easy to get um, excited and encouraged by yeah. the opportunities that you have never looked into before. Um, tell me more about how you found mentors. Mm. Yeah, so I um, really had to start these this new pathway, and I and I talked about that excitement, but sh- you know, shortly after that, when 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 you actually have to start, you know, finding this, finding your way in these new um, fields it gets a little more scary. So it was all roses for a couple months. And then I realized, you know, application season for fellowships is coming up. Um, you know, I don't have, un- I mean, I have unlimited time, but to some, I like to be, you know, I also like to be busy sure. and productive and let's get going here. So, so I um, reached out to an old medical school uh, upperclassman a couple years ahead of me and told her my situation and asked her what she what I should do and so um, she recommended researching programs and just looking at every single academic program and seeing which ones had fellowships and so I applied to the ones I found I looked at every single program in the country's website I emailed a lot of them and then I heard back from some of them and so I um, just got really lucky, and I and I applied right at the right time to this fellowship, official fellowship in UC Irvine. And the mentor at that program has just the hugest heart. And even though she had already hired a fellow, uh, said you know she liked my application and and does this all the time and kind of latches on to mentees and um, was willing to make me an unofficial unpaid fellow. Mm. And, um, and she seemed to be really helpful and like she was going to um, do as much as she could for me and that all came true. Um, she really taught me what a mentor was and I just found her because the stars aligned. Yeah. Um, I, but in recommending other students to find mentors just um, cast a wide cast net, a wide net. Yeah. yes so just go ahead and just seeing her respond to you know out of the blue inquiries for mentorship and anything they could help with um, there are a lot of mentors out there who are willing to take someone they don't know it's all about just catching them at the right time when they've got a new idea they've got a new project they've got someone who's got to go from their office and they just need someone else um or they just like your email or whatever it's worth trying it's just it's just about contacting them and asking one question i have is you know once you had the relationship how did that relationship build that's a good question. Let me think. <laughs> so when I got there, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea what clinical research was. I think I was just really eager and a kind of a yes person. I was, um, I really liked kind of the administrative work we were doing. And that slowly turned into a kind of a trust, I think, that I built between, that we built between each other so that she trusted I could 
could complete things and wanted to work and was um, willing to try new things and learn new things. And then more and more, she would give me new projects. Um, and you really depend on your mentor for things like mm -hmm. that um, because they've been around and they know what sells and they um, give you opportunities to get your name out there in that mm -hmm. way. And then, you know, there are a few people along the way who didn't work out, which I think always helps you, mm -hmm. too, if you are kind of the state, you know, still standing after some other people aren't uh, can't really rise up to the task. And so that just builds more trust. And yeah, so I think I guess I would say the number one thing is building trust. Yeah, that's yeah. I appreciate that. How do you think your beliefs about what is possible have changed from your experience? Yeah, that's a good question, too. I think that I still carry the belief that anything is possible. And I just, I think my biggest thing is um, just keep trying. I think if you are destined to be something, just got to keep trying. Um, and then I think that if you're, if you do not feel fully supported by your mentor, then you should switch and find a new mentor to find the right support. Um, which can take years. So the other thing is just give it time that it needs. Uh, I applied in my second year of my fellowship. I was in no rush. And at some point, you know, life has got to start. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I also encourage these same students to not rush it. If it's just not the right time, um, you, know, you could always try that works out for some people, but if you don't have a really good reason to do that, then waiting may also help you. Yeah. Um, and, and I think just keep an open mind about what else you could do. Yeah. I want to just end on purpose a little bit and just ask how you feel like your purpose in medicine has evolved. So I think I should just be honest and say I'm still figuring that out. Um, it was so easy to be so clearly dedicated to something that was a really noble cause. And I do think a part of me, um, I still feel a little bit guilty for not doing something like so noble, so needed. Um, I know that I needed a part of medicine that was a little bit more intellectually challenging for me and less so on the social science side. Um, but I'm still kind of figuring out where I fit otherwise in medicine. Um... I do enjoy um, helping patients still, but I'm not going to lie. It's still frustrating when I can't, and I just haven't gotten really comfortable disappointing people yet. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. This was a wonderful conversation, and um, your story is helping people, and I think that that's such a great work. I'm so glad. It was my pleasure to be here and 
to share this. I really appreciate what you're doing. And I, yeah, I do hope people can benefit from knowing that, that there's so many possibilities out there going for them. Thank you.